The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Yes, welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelinch, and together we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can always send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click on the Send Message button right below the banner. And please be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So go ahead and let us know what's on your mind. We would really love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Came to Believe. When we are in early recovery, the idea of a life of peace and joy seems very far away. The good news is that we can get there, but first we must extricate ourselves from the disarray of an undirected life. We can then learn to trust a higher power, thus opening the door to sanity and hope. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on moving from disarray to genuine peace and joy through coming to believe in a higher power. So we want to share with you today what we were like before what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope that you will find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to talk about moving from that disarray of an undirected life to a life of sanity and hope through the coming to believe in a higher power, which is the second step of the 12 steps. You know, when I think about what my experience was like, uh, you know, what we're calling the disarray of a of an undirected life, um, I, re- I I know that I always back then felt like I had to do everything myself. Yes. It was just like, a, it, you know, it wasn't even a question or a choice. It's just the way it was. Yes. Uh, I didn't realize that there were other ways to be uh but for me, certainly there weren't any other ways to be. I don't know if that's a genetic or, you know, something that's like a behavior that's passed down. It's not really genetic. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not the only one in my family um, who had that sort of 
in a way it's a it's a stubborn individualism kind of thing mm-hmm. um but it, you know it's the only way that i knew so whatever i needed i had to do it myself you know yeah. if, if i need if i wanted something to happen i had to go make it happen if i wanted something i had to go get it and um you know even just from that way of talking about it you can hear the um you know the self centeredness in it not out of a sense of superiority probably quite the opposite you know just out of a sense of uh, not having any other tools or being afraid um, to rely on other people you know that's part of it I know is I didn't want I didn't want anyone else involved because I didn't want to have to deal with them or rely on them be disappointed by them etc so when I think about disarray of a undirected life it was i guess i would call it a self-directed life yeah today i would call it an undirected life (laughs) but that's kind of what comes to mind first for me yeah i know exactly what you mean you know i know that i've been reading lately um it's been coming up a lot i've seen come across my social media pages and such uh this idea that extreme independence is a trauma response So, you know, and this may not be true for everyone, but certainly, uh, you know, as we discuss frequently, many of us in recovery have various types of trauma in our um, childhood. And so uh, learning to be completely self-reliant and, um, you know, like exaggeratedly independent can be the result of, you know, trauma and having, for whatever reason, not putting the blame on anyone, but for whatever reason, not coming from a family or cultural background where we were taught interdependence and where there were people around us that could be relied upon, you know, whether, like I say, whether that was anyone's fault or not. In my own case, um, you know, I was an only child. I grew up with a single mother, um, no family around, you know, except for my grandma. So basically, you know, I just, I had to be self-reliant, you know, there wasn't really, uh, you know, there just weren't a lot of folks around, not that my mother was uh, negligent or anything, but, you know, she was a single mom, she was going to school, working a full-time job, trying to have her own personal life as well, and so, you know, that was just sort of the circumstances of my childhood, and um, it did forge this extreme independence. I do it my on my own, and I'm still that way a lot to this day. Um, hard for me, you know, to not be that way. It's just such a part of my nature as an only child and, and, you know, my personality as well. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it was go it alone. It was, uh, I certainly wasn't relying on any kind of spiritual power or higher power. Um, I had no concept of that. So I just basically felt, and that, that's, it's a it's a heavy burden to bear, right? Yeah, Thinking that yes. you've got to do everything yourself, you know, I've got to make everything happen, and I'm responsible for everything that does happen. And um, that's a that's a lonely way of life. It's a stressful way of life. It's an exhausting way of life. But that was definitely the life that I had before I got into recovery. Yeah, I'm sitting here remembering that. You know, I have learned 
and am learning. You know, I hate to use the past tense because all of this is current. Right. I, I am continuing to learn. I have learned and am continuing to learn um, effective ways of working with others. You know, I've gotten pretty good about it, I think, at least compared to where I used to be. Because in the past, honestly, and I was laughing at this, um, in order to not do everything myself that means i need to work with other people which means i need to <laughs> well, first i first i have to talk to other people and that's <laughs> a deal breaker right there that's a deal breaker not only so say i got over that and I, I i'm willing to talk to people then i have to share what's going on with me like what my idea is what my goals and desire are oh hell no i'm not doing that uh-uh there's yeah. no way i was doing that so i didn't I'm I'm remembering now or realizing, seeing again, I didn't see my life as undirected, but like I said, it was, you know, heavily self-directed, um, yeah. you know, having the perspective now of uh, leading what I call a God-centered life, it is uh, relatively undirected, but I didn't know anything about that then. So there was, um, you know, there's nothing to set it next to, you know, to compare it to to have it show show up as undirected. I also realized as I um, grew up and uh, learned, um, I guess, just better ways to be in the world. If someone asks, where did you, know, where did you grow up? I want to say, you're making a bold assumption because I haven't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I refuse to. Your no, assumption I'm, is fundamentally flawed. Yes, I, that's right, exactly. <laughs> I'm a big kid in a lot of ways. But anyway, I, I did not know that I was as disconnected as I actually was yeah. from others. And so, you know, if I'm unwilling to talk to people and unwilling to share what's going on with me and ask for help and assistance, that right there, that's the definition of disconnected. So yeah. the longer I maintain that, I remained very uh, disconnected. So that, you know, when we talk about the the disarray of an undirected life that's front and center for me, that piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to all of that too. You know, again, um, if we didn't have modeled for us healthy dynamics of interdependence and working with others and relying and being, it being safe to rely on others, then yeah, it forges that really unhealthy um, independence and so um, you were talking about not wanting to work with others because it meant you had to talk with them. <laughs> you being the introvert. See, I didn't right. mind talking with them. In fact, I was all about talking with them. Just look at my second grade report card and frankly, all of the other ones that followed. <laughs> Michelle is a bright student, but she needs to be quiet. <laughs> um, I didn't mind talking with them. I just didn't want to share power with them. You know, I wanted to be able to do things my own way. And again, I believe that that was, um, to a certain extent, at least a trauma response. You know, that was my way of staying safe. Um, I didn't want to have to um, be flexible or not do things my own way because I only knew how to do them my way. That was how I kept myself safe and comfortable was to do things my own way and to do them on my own. So that has been a huge learning curve for me in recovery, learning to work with others and um, share power and not have to always have my own way. You know, the other, the other thing about my 
I guess I would say my pre-spiritual life when I had no spirituality in my life was that I had no sense that the universe was a benign place or that there was any sort of power that um, had my back or was um, on my side or, you know, it was basically uh, an unfriendly universe. You know, Einstein said we can either go through life as if the universe is a friendly place or an unfriendly place. And I was not taught that it was a friendly place. So I basically thought I had to scramble, you know, and do everything on my own. Um in order to survive in this unfriendly universe. So uh, that's kind of not a very wonderful uh, worldview to have, you know. Sounds isolating. It's isolating. It's fearful, very fearful. I had a lot of fear. It's not that I felt like the universe was out to get me. I was, it wasn't that. It's just now I believe that the universe conspires in my favor and I didn't have that feeling before that there was any power, you know, God or the universe or whatever, that there was any power that was working on my behalf. I thought I was on my own pretty much. I love that saying the universe conspires to support me. Yes. You know, as an affirmation. I remember when I first heard that that was life changing, totally life changing, right? Just being able to affirm that, you know, I don't have to go out and prove it, but just like, Oh, I like this idea. I'm yeah. going to affirm this. I'm going to carry this. Uh, this feels uh, helpful and good and yeah. supportive. And so I'm just going to kind of go with it, which I did. Um, you know, back back when, uh, I know that I, you know, learned habits of um, trying to feel better by doing, right, or by getting, yes. oh, by yes, doing absolutely. things or getting things or, you know, as as my... Uh, addiction history belies by reaching out for something like a substance, whether it's a cigarette or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a drink or, or whatever. I didn't really get that whole concept of being, you know, we talk about being versus doing. I, I didn't know anything about this way, <laughs> this concept of being like it was no. possible to actually be okay in the world for no reason at all. Just for no reason at all. But uh, let's move along because we've talked a lot here about this challenge of uh, the disarray of an undirected life. But let's move out of the problem as we like to do, move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution? Well, in unity, we always affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principles that we have found helpful in moving out of this disarray of that undirected life and into a life that's mostly comprised of sanity and hope, (laughs) it's simply a belief in a higher power or a God of our own understanding. But this higher power means different things to different people, sometimes quite different things. What's most important, though, I believe, is not what someone else might consider their higher power to be, but what is my conception? What is your conception for you of a higher power? Or as I like to say, God as you understand God to be, you know, drawing on the uh, recovery language. So, Michelle, when you uh, think about coming to believe in a higher power, like the second step says, what was that like for you? Ah, wow. Well, so I went from having no belief in a higher power to fairly quickly adopting a very strong belief. I feel like I was just 
um, I was just ready for it because it came relatively easy for me. And maybe the belief was there all along. It's just that I had submerged it with a lot of, you know, false ideas. Um, I was partially in reaction to the God I had um, thought I had learned about in, you know, Sunday school growing up in the church I was raised in and such. And that was, I was more in reaction in rejecting that God. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, I thought I didn't believe in anything, but I think I probably did. Um, but it wasn't that hard for me to come to believe. I was actually quite surprised. It came very quickly and very naturally for me. Um, and thank God, you know, I had folks uh, in the program guiding me, you know, telling me that God was loving, unconditionally loving, that God was there to support me. Um, I found unity fairly early on in my recovery. I think I was about a year sober when I found unity. And um, we used to have a sign uh, hanging on the back of the podium, you know, that said, God is love in big capital letters, God is love. And so every Sunday when I went to church and I was watching the minister, I saw that God is love. And it was almost like a subliminal message that went through whatever the minister was talking about or whatever you know, was being read or whatever sermon was being preached, there was that, those words, God is love right there, just looking at me. And that really, um, that really forged that belief in a God of love. And that remains my foundational belief as my, my working understanding of God, I call it a working understanding because it is always changing and ebbing and flowing and shifting. But that underlying principle that God is love is always there underneath all of it. So that's really been the crucial thing for me. I like that. I feel like putting that up at right? church. That seems like a really good idea yeah. because it is, like you said, like a thread that runs yep. through everything. It's easy to forget that um, you know, we think, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Well, that's a little bit different than having it in front of you yep. the, the whole time. Yep. Um, my coming to believe in a higher power was what I feel like was a strange and vague undertaking. Um, things, you know, program principles like acting as if mm -hmm. and suiting up and showing up were helpful to me. Because I didn't walk into spirituality, you know, with a fully formed um, belief that I could rely on. It was just a really intriguing idea that I thought was cool. And I liked the people that um, were showing up around it. And, you know, my introduction was in unity um, because I had I had first walked into a unity church probably six years before I got sober and so my introduction to spirituality was uh, through unity kinds of teachings. But still, you know, it, it was a vague and uh, strange undertaking. And I just was, I, I was drawn, I think is the word. I was going to say I was curious and I was curious, but it's mo something more than that. You know, I was really drawn to return and to hear more and to experience more with these other people who kind of also seem to see things in this way that was all of a sudden making a lot of sense to me. So coming to believe in a higher power for me was a slow 
uh, process. It was ill-defined. Uh, you know, God was an ill-defined concept, perhaps mm-hmm. still is, as as God should be, I think. Right. You know, I try to stay away from too many hard and fast right. uh, rules or even statements um, when possible, just to keep my mind open, which I have found to be super uh, necessary, you know, helpful. Yeah. But just sort of showing up. It's like, oh, I like this. This is cool. I want to learn more. It caught my interest. It, it piqued my curiosity. It got me going back to this Unity Church that I started in outside Asheville, North Carolina. And, um, you know, that was the beginning of it. And, and it yeah. worked for me eventually somehow or other. Now it changed a lot over time. Because yes. when I got sober, all of a sudden, this God concept became very, very important. Right. You know, before it was kind of optional. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, if I like it, I guess it's okay. But, uh, you know, that changed. So I'll, I'll just call that an opportunity to deepen my relationship with whatever this thing is that I don't really understand. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so important to um, emphasize that that understanding, our understanding of God is always evolving, right? Even you and I as ministers, I mean, our understanding of God is evolving. We are certainly not, it's not our job to tell people what God is. Um, You know, that's definitely not, uh, our job is to, you know, hold a space where others can find the God of their own understanding. At least that's how I see it. And, and, you know, I love, there's some very spiritual folks whose names I can't rattle off right now, but, you know, who've said things about, you know, that all of human beings writings and talkings about God are merely pointing to what God is, you know, that God is so vast that we can't ever capture it in language and we can't, um, it just doesn't lend itself to simple understandings or simple descriptions. So when we talk about God in a certain way, it's like, yeah, God is that. And when we talk about God in a different way, yeah, God is that too. And all of that and everything behind that and under it and around it and that, you know, <laughs> that is God, all of it. And our human brains just, um, you know, we, we, we can barely point at parts of what God is. So I, I agree with you that, you know, I don't want to get locked into any kind of understanding. That's why that, that underlying thread of God being love has been so helpful for me. Um, because, you know, all the rest of it is shifting and changing, but my basis is that God is somehow this benign force of love in the universe. And, uh, so, you know, coming to believe for me was so life changing because, you know, we talked in the first segment about being so independent and alone and going it alone and feeling alone and all of a sudden having, you know, I, all of a sudden I had this whole other entity and entity isn't even the right word, but on board with me, I wasn't alone, you know, and I, I think I've talked before about, I, I had a lot, a lot of fear before I uh, came into recovery and unity and such fear of being alone, fear of the dark, fear that fear of like kind of the boogeyman kind of fear, you know, and I think it was that feeling of being alone. And when I came to believe in this loving God, that fear left me. Um, just completely. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. In the way that people share about the craving for alcohol leaving, you know, the fear just left me and it really hasn't returned in all these years. And so I, it's just that proof that I just was so alone and thank God I'm not alone anymore. You know, <laughs> that was so yeah. life changing. for me. You know, what's coming to mind is um, in the Hebrew Bible, the prophet Elijah has this remarkable thing to say. Uh, about God as the still small voice. Mm. That concept of God as a still small voice, one that I could quote here, you know, making air quotes around here, because really it's experience, right. whatever that is. I can experience the presence of God somehow or other that in a way I don't understand if I'm willing to become quiet yeah. also and stop drowning it out. Um, one thing that helped me a lot with, uh, you know, coming to terms or coming to a place where there was a God concept that, um, you know, I don't know whether to say that I understood or that made sense or that worked for me, but for whatever reason that I, I could connect with, put it that mm -hmm. way. Um, when I realized the, the difference between, between like the power of, persuasion versus coercion, uh, right? Because in traditional um, religions, God is usually portrayed as a coercive power, like, you know, lightning bolts and flattening mountains and, and <laughs> stuff like that. And when I began to realize, partly from what I was hearing from others, partly from corroborating that from looking around the world, that God is a, is a persuasive power, not a coercive mm -hmm. Power. So, for example, uh, looking at the Grand Canyon, right, the, the beauty and the grandeur and the magnitude of the Grand Canyon, that did not happen in an instant, right? That happened over yeah. a long period of time. Yeah. Or thinking about, you know, what is, what is stronger, water or steel? Mm. Well, steel is, if you're talking about somebody has a sword and I have a glass of water, right, <laughs> but throw that throw that sword in the ocean and check back in 10 years and tell me what's stronger water right, exactly. or steel. That is the course that that is the persuasive uh, power of God. And I even learned uh, along in there somewhere, and I'll get a little, little Bible nerdy here that oh, the, the idea of God as almighty, right? So yeah. that's that coercive kind of uh, lightning bolt mountain flattening uh, way of seeing God. Some, scholars at least have put forth that that almighty is a mistranslation of the Hebrew term El Shaddai, which is better understood as all providing, mm -hmm. all sufficient. I like that makes a whole lot of sense to me. I'm like, yes, that all providing, all sufficient. Now you're getting to this allness thing yeah. very close to this oneness thing. Right. Uh, it's got this intimate relationship that Jesus came from and talked about and lived and modeled. Mm -hmm. And it all of a sudden um, feels like, okay, this might actually be coming together for me yeah. when I can begin to see it in these ways that just, they just make sense deep inside me somehow or other. But let's hold that thought, that Bible nerdy thought, because it's <laughs> time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. We hope you please stay with us.
practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Yes, welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Jellinch. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing first that disarray of an undirected life before we came into recovery. And then we talked about our process of coming to believe in a higher power and what that was like for us. So now let's talk about, let's bring it all together and talk about how that belief in a higher power helped us to move into a life. I'm sorry. I can't say a life of sanity without laughing. Right. (laughs) A life of semi sanity and hope. (laughs) Yeah. That reminds me someone says, man, I just want to get my mind back. Well, you're making a bold assumption there too about me. Like that I ever had it. You know, a return to sanity, doesn't that imply there was sanity there? But, but you know, when you consider, if I, if I define insanity, which I feel like I was at, as, as drinking as much as I was drinking nonstop, then I did regain my sanity in that way, at least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, how did a belief in a higher power help me move from disarray to a life of sanity and hope or peace and hope. I might even say uh, peace is important to me. Uh, I know for me it started as I was sharing uh, um, about sort of my introduction to the whole higher power, the whole God thing as an adult. You know, I went to Sunday school and I kind of heard the the traditional view, which never, never really meant that much to me, I don't think. It's, I had a really hard time with that. It just it just didn't land, you know, it didn't make sense. And I'm not criticizing as much as saying I could not connect with it, which, you know, I couldn't connect with a lot of things. So not terribly surprising if I couldn't connect with that, with a church community or, you know, with the, that kind of God concept. So my, my sort of round two um, finding spirituality as an adult started with a fairly intellectual or, a, you know, a head ahead of a brain kind of understanding of God. So an idea of God, I'm very comfortable with ideas. So it began as the idea of God more than the experience of God, but it definitely grew from there. One thing about unity, a unity tradition that helped me a great deal and helped me bridge the gap, and I'm forever grateful for this, is unity's prosperity teachings because mm-hmm. unity's prosperity teachings was when i look back on i realized it was like the perfect bridge between my whole i got to do it myself and getting stuff you know i'd be okay by getting stuff oh yeah. so here's this getting stuff yet it's spiritual so i could kind of hang on to my old view and somehow it seemed someone was telling me that that's kind of compatible with this whole spiritual view now i've had an entire journey around that um, come full circle more than once in more than one way. Um, And I don't, 
I don't approach Unity's prosperity teachings like I did at first. But the way that I learned them and the way I approached them at first is a wonderful way to go because that was exactly where I was. It was exactly what I needed uh, to begin to move, you know, out of a, you know, just call it an active addiction. Forget about how much I was actually drinking or not at that time, but just everything that goes along with it, all the personality traits and the, and the habits and the disconnection and blah, blah, blah. It, it really was a, a door I could walk through to begin to um, experience God, yeah. you know, rather than just hear about, talk about, write about, uh, but really experience God in some profound ways. And that all came through Unity's prosperity teachings, which I'm, like I said, I'm so glad that I did that. I, I feel super comfortable with those now. I can teach that. I can live that. You know, I can return to it. Um, you know, I you, you may not know this about me, but I don't do everything perfectly all the time. And so sometimes I realize I've kind of got off track. You know, I've, I've kind of gotten off track with my giving. I've kind of gotten off track with my prayer. Let, okay, let me get back on track. Now I know how to get back yeah. on track and I can do it quickly once yeah. I realize that I'm off track and I make the decision to get back on it. I can do it. And so I, I dearly love Unity's prosperity teachings and I, you know, can and do teach them um, maybe with some variation from exactly the way I learned it, but still the way that's authentic for me. Yeah, that's a really interesting um, point that you made about uh, the prosperity teachings and how they can sort of serve as a portal to uh, this coming into relationship with a higher power. It's really interesting because now that I think back about it, I think that um, that was one of the things that really was helpful for me early in recovery and early in unity for me also were the prosperity teachings. And maybe it was because I was, you know, in my uh, mid twenties and had just finished graduate school and was in my first teaching jobs, you know, and uh, trying to survive for the first time really as a, you know, independent person and out of school and everything and my first like real job or whatever. And, um, you know, having those struggles and then coming to church on Sundays and hearing that, you know, God was a prosper, a God of prosperity and of abundance and would provide. And it, it was, it was basically, uh, for me, it was the antidote to the way my life had been previously, which was a life based on worry and self-reliance and going it alone, as we talked about, and sort of powering through life by the force of my sheer will, you know, and the prosperity teachings taught me to let go and to trust that the universe was a friendly, abundant place that wanted to conspire to give me my highest good, and that I could relinquish some of that worry and um, trust that the universe would provide. I can't even begin to tell you how big of shifts those were for me. I mean, that was just not, was not my understanding of the universe prior to um, coming into unity. And so it is, it's interesting that that, that really was a portal for me to um, develop that relationship with God, you know, as being 
a provider, like you said, that El Shaddai, you know, all providing, all sufficient. Um, and of course, my understanding of those principles have changed over time. I continue to grapple with them, but that was the beginning of relinquishing that self-reliance and that uh, worry, really worry-based existence. Oh my gosh, how, I'm not going to, there's never going to be enough. How am I going to mm -hmm. pay my bills? What if this job doesn't work out? Well, blah, 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 you know, and I was taught both in recovery and in unity to let that go, to trust that things would work out as they were supposed to, and that um, it would be okay. Uh, that was just so, such a huge change for me. And of course, you know, I understand now that that doesn't mean that I'm going to get all the things I want or that things are going to be easy or that they're going to turn out, you know, the way I expected them to, because they certainly haven't. But bottom line is it has panned out that I have been okay. You know, I've been through tough times and, uh, but I have always been okay. And so now, um, at this point in my life, I can look back and it's like the proof is in the pudding. I, now it's not some kind of blind faith. It's like, I know things will work out one way or another and I will be okay. Um, and I can trust that. And that has just been such a huge shift for me and just my whole orientation to life. And you're right. It really did begin with those prosperity teachings. Yeah, that concept that God provides runs all through the Hebrew and Christian Bibles, both of them. I mean, Jesus teaches it straight up. Do not worry. Look at the lilies of the field. You don't have to worry about this. You just keep your head in today and everything's going to be fine. Seek ye first the kingdom and all this will be added unto you. You don't have to worry about all that if you've got your gaze fixed properly, you know, or in the right place, if you've got your your eyes, um, if you're if you're seeking first God's kingdom, then the rest of it will just fall into place. Why? Because God provides. And I have found that to be true in my own life. Ironically, when I began, uh, you know, undertaking a study of unity's prosperity principles, my the goal I was carrying was to get rich, right? I wanted to get a bunch of money, which is a lack consciousness thought, right? It's like, oh, I I need something I don't have, or I want something that I don't have. I am lacking it now, and I want to gain it, right? Whatever rich is. Um, and what I have found is that uh, I have shifted into a prosperity mindset. I could care less how much money. I don't need to be rich, whatever that is. Rich means Rich means I have more money than most other people. Why do I need to have more money than most other people? I don't. I just need money sufficient for my, um, you know, desires and needs and family and et cetera. All, all is provided. God provides and all is well. And now I call that prosperity. Isn't that funny? I did not achieve my goal Yet I did because I found a life of prosperity. It just looked nothing like I thought. And that's okay. It doesn't matter that the way I looked at it at one time is not the way that I look at it now. You know, it just right. doesn't matter. Uh, one thing that helped me move into the experience of God, so talked about Unity's prosperity teachings, but Unity's prayer and meditation practices, which were integral in the way that I was taught prosperity. So I was getting that at the same time, this whole practicing the presence of God thing, which seems really weird um, to me when I could care less about God. I, you know, I've said that uh, 
uh, I didn't. I don't know if I was atheist or agnostic. I honestly did not care enough to differentiate the two. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I what? Where's the don't care? Don't know? Don't care? Choice. That was me. <laughs> so to move from that into someone who is actively putting effort into practicing the presence of God through prayer and meditation, as we understand it in unity, that was a big, big change. And that right there, I mean, if I could, if I could only point at one thing that helped me move um, from an undirected life into a life of peace and hope, it would be that. Now, there's lots of other related things, but that's kind of what's sitting at the core of it. And I call it practicing the presence of God, which I need to, in order to do that, I need to be willing to become quiet yeah. inside. That doesn't mean control my thoughts, right? It means focus my mind, say, on my breath, and and let my let that mind chatter just be what it is. I've come to think of it like it's like highway noise, right? Mm -hmm. Say I'm sitting in a room, and outside the window, there's a window that's open. Outside the window is a busy highway. I can pay a lot of attention to all that busyness, or I can pay less attention to all that busyness. And so my practice is to pay attention to something other than all that road traffic. And, you know, my mind gets sucked back out into the road traffic. And then, oh, oh, right. I, I kind of shifted here. I didn't realize it. So I just bring my attention back away from the road traffic. Now, I'm not the reason I'm saying this is that I'm not sitting here requiring the road traffic to cease so that I can pray. You know what I mean? Right. That doesn't work. You'll be waiting a long time. <laughs> no, I know. It's just, man, it was such a relief to realize I could just let it be what it is and focus my mind's eye, if you will, on this other quiet, peaceful thing. And when it wanders, bring it back. That's it. Yeah. I don't have to control the traffic. Thank, thank God, because I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you brought up, you know, the prayer and meditation practice. And, um, you know, we have a sort of our own way of understanding that in unity. And certainly over the years, my own personal practice has shifted and changed a lot. Probably in general, I could say going more from from early on being much more prayer, much more talking, me, blah, 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 blah. And poor God just listening away, you know, blah, 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 to um, now much more just listening. But, um, you know, I, my whole understanding of the purpose of prayer really changed when I found unity and recovery and such. You know, when I was a kid, I thought that we prayed because God wanted to hear from us, you know, and it was sort of like brushing your teeth. It was something I was supposed to do before going to sleep. And oh my gosh, for years and years and years and years and years, I could not lie down and go to sleep without mouthing some nonsensical you know, just repetitive prayer that was knocking around in my head because I thought that that's what God wanted. Of course, you know, I come to understand that the purpose of prayer and meditation is for me to make that conscious contact with the God of my understanding. You know, how can I expect to have a relationship with God or much less a spiritual life if I'm not going to place myself in contact? Whatever that means to me, you know. And so the time that I spend in prayer and meditation is time building that relationship, building that, um, that, you know, we, we say the second step is came to believe, but for me, it's really coming to believe. I'm always yeah, active coming to believe. Yeah. 
and it's uh you know as the belief shifts and change but it's that constantly coming to believe um remembering remembering over and over this uh primary relationship in my life that is with the higher power and you know i learned in um recovery early on if i wanted to have a relationship with god like any other relationship i had to spend time with god i couldn't expect a relationship to forge itself without me spending time in the presence of that with which i wanted to have a relationship and so that was really how that worked for me like i say early on lots more talking now not so much talking much more listening but they're really uh i don't even want to say two sides of the same coin because it's all sort of all wrapped up in there together and in unity as you know we don't really distinguish real specifically between prayer and meditation we um you know we sort of espouse a, a process that's sort of a mix of praying and meditating and time right. and quiet and you know all kind of mixed up together and that's much more of what I practice now but um that time spent doing that dedicating time every day to my spiritual practice was what was necessary then and continues to be necessary now for me to continue to forge and build and strengthen that relationship that conscious contact with the god of my understanding so important yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that phrase, conscious contact. That says it better than anything, yeah. you know, right out of the out of the literature. So another way that, for me, that belief in a higher power helped me move from disarray to uh, peace and hope is that. Um, so I've 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 talked and I spent a lot of time focusing on my own concept, but then I began to see the presence and the power of God in other people, in the recovery community, and sort of watching, you know, staying open to, you know, God understanding, I'll call it, by noticing how other people were showing up. You know, you could sort of discern, oh, there's someone that seems like, you know, they're, they're operating from a lot of faith. Now, I don't know exactly what their beliefs are, but I can I can discern that they're coming from a place of, great faith just by the way that they say whatever it is that they're saying. Right. Um, and so I began to see God in others and to hear, in a sense, you know, this is a projection, but hearing God's voice coming out of other people's mouths because they say right. something and I'm yes. all of a sudden like, oh my, that's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly what I needed to hear in this moment. And I noticed that people with even very different God concepts than my own were recovering, right? So clearly my particular God's concept is not required, right? <laughs> Any God concept, a God concept is required in my experience. I would never argue if someone said it wasn't, but in my experience it is, but it doesn't have to be, um, you know, the way that it's seen in unity. Right. I know Southern Baptists, that, as far as I know, carried the traditional Southern Baptist theology who are recovering very well and showing up in service in the world and have really turned their lives around. 
and I can learn from them, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't mean that I am going to go to the same church they do. Uh, if I did, I'm, I'm sure it would be fine. But, you know, I simply choose differently. That doesn't mean that that they're wrong or, or that their God doesn't exist, blah, 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 blah. You know, all those right. kind of judgment thoughts. Right. It just means they did exactly what I did. They found what speaks to them. I found what speaks to me. Yeah. I believe God's under all of it. Right. Somehow or other, you know, in ways that I don't need to and probably can't understand, but seeing it in other people. You know, that just makes me think of, um, this is just kind of a little aside, but um, that we cannot ever um, presume to know what someone else's concept of God is. I, I think we sometimes assume because of a person's theology or because of the denomination or faith that they're in that we think we know what their concept of God is. But I've been very surprised to find folks just because their God concept is cloaked in what we would call more traditional language doesn't necessarily mean that their understanding of God is what we would consider more traditional. There are folks, uh, you know, fellow Christian ministers that I know and from other denominations and such that have, um, a very, and I don't want to say high, because again, that's hierarchical, a very expansive understanding of God yeah. that is not necessarily exposed in their more, what we would call more traditional language. I hope I'm making sense. It makes perfect sense. And I'm totally with you. And I have found yeah. exactly yeah. the same thing, exactly yes. the same thing. So that just is a reminder for us that we don't want to engage in spiritual arrogance and assume what other people's understandings of God are. Um, I mean, Jesus called God Father, which seems very traditional and patriarchal to us, but I'm quite sure that God, that Jesus's understanding of God was neither traditional nor patriarchal. It, that was just the language that he chose to use. So anyway, that's just a reminder. And what I love about unity, and I could say pretty much the same thing about 12-step recovery, is that we're allowed to forge that, our own understanding of God. That's why it's the God of our understanding, that higher power of our own understanding. And for me, the important thing has been that personal experience of God. So I can go to meetings and I can listen to how other people experience God and how they describe God. I can read the Bible. I can listen to ministers preach. And all of that informs my understanding of God. But at the end of the day, it's that personal experience that I have when I go into my room and shut my door and pray to my God who is in secret. That's that's where that relationship is really forged. And it's my own experience. And that's what can't be shaken. Yes, um, we need and, to move yeah. along. And we said a whole lot about this topic so much so that I wasn't watching the time. <laughs> So let's step back if we can and see if we can do the impossible, find a simple way to sum all this up. I'm not saying we're going to, but we are going to no. try. So Reverend Michelle, in a nutshell, if someone was having trouble with this whole higher power concept, but was willing to be open and was asking you, uh, what would you share with them that has worked for you if you had like um, one minute or something like that? Well, I mean, I guess I could just continue what I was just saying is that it's a personal, very, very personal experience. Um, and so to seek to seek that personal experience of God. And for some people that might be in the quiet of a room in meditation. For me, it's frequently in nature. Um, I can get a much better portal, much quicker uh, 
understanding of God by observing the grandeur of the ocean or of a redwood tree or of the intricacies of a spider web, that gets me there a lot faster. You know, that's just me personally. But um, being open to all those things, you know, in unity, we say that God is everywhere present and in everything. So being open to the ways that God can reveal God's self to you. I think it's very individual and it can come from anywhere. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, what comes to mind for me is just the, almost like a mantra, don't worry and don't hurry. This is not a race. You know, yeah. you if you feel like you need to pick something so that you can move forward in your step work, then just pick something. But you're not writing it in stone. Right. Right? You don't have to be correct. You don't, we're not looking for the right answer. You're just looking for <laughs> what can work for you right now in this moment. Don't worry. It can yep. change. So there's it no there's change. no reason to get uh, worked up about it or to feel like it's a race or yep. that there's a deadline on this. There isn't. I mean, I've been in this for some quite a few years now, and it's, it's still not, quote, done, right? I don't right. think it'll ever be done. The other thing that comes to mind is just be willing. You know, we talk about willingness a lot in recovery because it's an essential mm -hmm. element uh, in our consciousness to uh, shifting the way that we show up to moving away from our uh, addiction, whatever it might be. Be willing to believe, you know, even yeah. if I don't, even if I haven't found anything that resonates with me, I just need to be willing to believe. Yep, absolutely. And believe that it will come. Well, we're coming to that time where we always like to offer you an affirmation to sort of uh, seal in these ideas. And our affirmation today is, I open my heart and mind to belief in a higher power that works for me. I open my heart and my mind to a belief in a higher power that works for me. Well, it has happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, or we like to think of it that way, and if it's not true, don't tell us. Don't tell us. You crush our fragile egos. <laughs> uh, but we are very grateful that you have listened, and we really hope, we do this every week because we hope that you found something in all of the blabbing that we've been doing that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Well, thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you may be on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and go ahead and lead us, leave us your thoughts and feedback. And we would invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. But until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. 
On the Dropping In Podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.